Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. McBridge joins me. Frenchie is making a guest appearance on the IndyCar side, while Mr. Hickey is not feeling so well. And I also think it's his wife's birthday. That might have been yesterday. It's sometime this week. So happy birthday, Sammy. And guys, we're going to start with a Christmas-themed off non-racing question here. And the question is, doesn't matter who answers first, any Christmas traditions that you guys have that are funny, silly, unique, been around a long time, anything like that, that you want to bring up? So every Christmas Eve, um, my grandparents have a big Christmas Eve party at their house. And there used to be like 50 people that would come, but now with, you know, everything it's dwindled quite a bit, but my grandma plays the piano. And so she, um, plays Christmas carols and we all sit, um, in there. It's like a sitting room, but it's giant. Cause there's a dining room and whatnot in the back. And anyway, so we all pile in there and she has books with all of the Christmas carols and all of the lyrics in him. And we pass them out and we all just sit around and sing Christmas carols for like an hour. Last year, only a certain amount of people All could right, come I out because of COVID. And so um, we did it on Zoom. <laughs> All right. I think we did something similar for Christmas last year. Frenchie? I like the sound of that, even though I'm really bad at singing. So I probably, if I ever got invited to Shannon's Christmas Eve party, I would never be invited again. <laughs> Not true. You're always invited, Frenchie. Oh. Wait until you hear my singing voice. It's not very good. <laughs> Can we get a preview? Do we need to, next to do you. We get some alcohol in you first? <laughs> we'll, we'll do we'll do karaoke at some point, okay. I guess. It's something okay. we should PLP we'll karaoke. karaoke. Yeah. yeah. Um, my tradition is a little less involved, but it's just basically every year we also have a Christmas Eve dinner. Like it's usually later at night. Um, and go to my grandma's house and. I just really like it because she always makes Mexican food and she used to own a catering company. So she's a really good cook. Um, So we always have Mexican food. That's like our Mexican themed Christmas Eve dinner. And I don't even know why that started, but she basically makes the same thing every year. And that's the only time she makes that. So I look forward to it every year. And she also is one of those people that has traveled a lot and she kind of picked up interesting decorations for her house stuff like that over the years, every time she's traveled. So she pulls out everything that she's ever gotten from Mexico and like puts it on the table. It's a whole big theme. It's really involved. And so I don't know. I just like that part of Christmas Eve. That's fair. 
I would say mine is, again, I'm going to stick with the theme of Christmas Eve here and kind of twofold. One is we would go to the same Italian restaurant, just me, my brother, and my parents, obviously now my sister-in-law as well. But with COVID, we have shifted to getting takeout or catering, whatever, from the same place. I mean, for as long as I can remember, probably since I was 12 or 13. But also, we also, in past years, would like Christmas Eve, like afternoon, would go to Williams Sonoma and buy my mom like ridiculous, like cooking gadgets or whatever, so that she would have to cook us like fun breakfast or like, you know, something we've never heard of before and, and things like that. And we also would buy my mom. Uh, so my dad and I collect sports cards, baseball cards, whatever, and we would buy a couple boxes and put them in my mom's gift pile on Christmas Day. So it, obviously she wasn't opening them. We were. We just like to make it look like there was a couple more presents there. So, yeah, that was fun. Guys, if you have any good ones, we can uh, chime in there. Okay, now for the rest of the episode, we're going to do some IndyCar news. We are again going to do pitfalls. It's been way too long since we've kept that a tradition, since we've just talked about traditions. Let's see here. We'll start with uh, Malukas and HMD Racing are officially confirmed as, well, David Malukas will be driving. HMD Motorsports will be the partner entry with Dale Coyne Racing in 2022. So I, I know... Shannon knows plenty about, uh, as we call him, Baby Max, since we've talked to him many a time <laughs> this year. But French, any any thoughts? Do you think this is a, a good move for us and Dale Coin Racing? I guess kind of all parties involved. Yeah, I, I definitely think it looks like a good move. Um, I mean, I'm excited to see David Malukas in the series because he showed a ton of talent in Indy Lights. Um, and it's going to be just interesting to see how he stacks up in an Indy car you know, among his title, like with his title rival and all the rookies that we're going to have next year. I think he's going to be right up there towards the front, especially because Dale Coyne just seems to punch above their weight, regardless of who they partner with or who's driving. But I mean, HMD, it's a good organization. It's become one of the powerhouse teams in Indy Lights. So to bring that, I don't know, I guess that skill, that expertise to IndyCar, I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. I think it's going to be a good thing. Fun to watch. Yeah, I'm super excited for HMD to come to IndyCar. <clears throat> it's nice to have a new-ish team, right? Even if they're just partnering with, with Dale Coyne, it's nice to have a new team. And that car, if they keep it that way, that car looks so fire. It looks so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, that, that livery is easily, like, top three for me right now, assuming they stick with it for the season, obviously plenty plenty could change and and we don't know but i think it's a good fit for both parties involved hmd gets an established indycar team that while might not be one of the front runners will definitely be competitive for the most part throughout the season and malukas will have probably a solid engineering group involved that will be able to help him out and kind of you know learn everything and learn IndyCar and obviously having Takuma Sato will help to some degree and you know Dale Coin Racing is is pretty respected in, in all so I'm sure Malukas will fit right in. I have a thought that I'm just, just kind of curious to get your guys' perspective on. 
I wanted to see if, if this HMD partnership, obviously this is brand new, right? But do we think that this kind of gives Dale Coyne a link to the Indie Lights series, right? Where they can kind of bring up Indie Lights talent, Ooh. maybe expand? Oh, no. I hadn't even thought of that. That's a good, that's, that's a good thought, Frenchie. Um, yeah, I say yes. Sure. That's, that's a good partnership to have in that aspect. Yeah, because we think about like Benjamin Peterson or any of those other guys that are eventually going to come up on HMD, you know, that have another year in Indie Lights. Maybe they're just kind of already connected with Dale Coyne. Gives them I more talent pool. can't think of anything else to add to that, to be totally honest with you. It's definitely an interesting idea. And we see the Indie Lights field is going to be three, four, maybe five cars bigger this year. So maybe some of the IndyCar teams are looking more heavily at it as safety features get added and the series gets more competitive again. So it's a pretty interesting idea. Uh, I'm going to jump in with a fan question next. This comes from our friend in Australia, Stephen King, who says, let's see here. Stephen King has a few. Um, yeah, we'll go with Stephen King's first. Now that it appears uh, Zach Veach won't be back with Vassar Sullivan in IMSA, who, if you missed it, announced their second car in the GTD series yesterday, which has Aaron Tielitz, but uh, Veach was not involved. Do either of you guys see him making an attempt at an Indy 500 entry or, or anything along those lines? Where'd you go? <laughs> I'm sorry, I was going to let you go first. I pointed at you. We, yeah, we can't see. <laughs> I can't yeah. see you. Oh, shit. Okay, I'll go. Um, I don't think that he will unless um, they can figure out a way to make the car lighter. That's the whole reason he's not there anymore. He can't. It's The car's too heavy for him to drive competitively. I think that he so sort of had his chance, had his run in IndyCar, and I don't really see him coming back. I think most of the teams kind of know what they would be getting with him, and he's, he showed talent, but... I think the talent pool is so deep of one-off drivers and people who have performed, I think, better than Zach <laughs> that I would, wouldn't would expect to really to see him back. I, I think he showed pretty well in sports cars, and I think he'll probably end up finding a ride maybe somewhere else there. But um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't really see I'm him sorry, back Zach. to IndyCar. Zach is an incredibly nice dude, but I don't see it in the slightest. I actually... I did not hear glowing things about his time in IMSA, so I, I I don't I don't see it happening there. Okay, up next we're gonna go to the other side of the coin garage. Did did we talk about Sato's being confirmed? Does anybody remember? We did. Okay. So, yes. Okay. Yes, we did. Because remember, Hickey asked me what I thought. I gave him an A minus right, right, right. rating, and he correct. So, all right, so we'll it. move on from there. Uh, James Hinchcliffe, we kind of guessed that he would be the NBC Sports Motorsports anal uh, Analyst. Analysis. <laughs> God. Next uh, next season. <laughs> yep. <Yeah, yeah, laughs> nope. Definitely not that. Analyst? A and that was confirmed probably. May maybe. Uh, okay. Children, I mean, maybe let's that. Ho let's hold it together here. He is confirmed for the 2022 season there. Obviously, there's still the potential that he could do something like the 500 or an IMSA race or two or who knows what. So SRX. So you know, we'll leave the racing side of his career up in the air for right now. But 
put simply, how good of an addition to NBC is Hinchcliffe? And we'll start with Shannon on this one. Uh, I feel like that's a, a no-brainer. Uh, I mean, Hinch is just he's so damn likable that no matter where he is, he's going to be really good. But on the technical side of it, he is so fresh out of the car that he is going to be the one in the booth with the most current knowledge of how IndyCar works and the rules and how it is to drive the cars with the aero screens and all of that. So I think that he, I actually think he's going to come with the most amount of knowledge and um, because he's so likable, people will really take to him and really listen to what he has to say and um, which could bring more people to actually watching the races on TV um, when they maybe would just typically just go to whatever their home race is. But um, Hinch has so many fans that if now this is the only way they can see him, then I think that maybe they will watch. I love the fact that Hinch is replacing Paul Tracy. One, because by Paul Tracy, I hope the door doesn't hit you on the way out. And two, because Hinch is so young, right? Like Janet was just saying, he just finished his driving career in IndyCar that I can see him doing this for a long time. He can be one of those guys who's like a Martin Brundle in Formula One where he just does the announcing for years and years and years because I think he just fits into the role so naturally that it's really going to work for him probably even better and no offense to James because he's a talented driver even better than his driving career. I'm really excited to see what kind of interesting tidbits he can add to the broadcast that maybe fans or even people have have never thought of before that is is you know common to him because he's been in an car especially an indie car with an arrow screen so he's as up to get up to date as they can get on that okay let's see here we talked about that i don't think we have too much else oh uh Colton Herta, Pato Award, Devlin DeFrancesco, and Eric Lux were going to make up the second LMP2 Dragon Speed entry for the Rolex 24. So Herta and Award back as teammates from their Indy Lights days. And so kind of like a three-quarters Andretti team there. A lot of Andretti and DeFrancesco sponsors on the car. Are you guys excited to see this uh, mainly open-wheel entry? We'll start with Frenchie on this one. Big time. I think it's going to be, I mean, I don't know too much about the entries for the Rolex 24 yet, especially in the LMP2 class, because that's one of the classes that I tend to kind of gloss over a little bit. Um, But I think that we've seen Colton have success at the Daytona 24, and it'll give us a chance to kind of see Pato back in a sports car, because he used to do the, uh, the LMPC class where he won like the entire every race back a few years ago and then to see Devlin in a in a sports car I think it's gonna be really cool to watch and I hope they do well Uh, I think the the level of driver talent in that car is off the charts so I'm definitely gonna be paying attention to that car yeah I I agree um I think it'll be nice to see how Devlin and Colton work together as teammates um, because they'll be teammates for the entire season. Um, It'll also be interesting to see the kind of dynamic between the two of them and Pato knowing that um, they're not teammates. 
and their rivals, in fact, in another series. So it'll be kind of nice to watch them um, work together. And um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think that's going to be a fun car to watch, if nothing else, for 24 hours. It's going to be really cool to see Pato and Colton, especially, get in the same car, right? With oh. basically the same setup because they have to share it and see who's yes. faster. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good absolutely. point. I didn't think of that one. I'm but excited I do to agree. see that. It's uh, LMP2 is just one of those categories that I also gloss over, especially after like hour one in the race. So it will it will keep me paying attention to it, especially with Dragon Speed being you know, pretty good entry year after year. So that's pretty cool. You definitely still better than LMP3. Although LMP3, LMP3 got better last year as the year went on. It wasn't as kind of embarrassing at I would say, as some people thought it would be. All right, we're going to jump to another fan question here. This is from our friend Mark Van Niekirk. Of all the drivers announced next year, so this could be Sato to coin, it could be a rookie, it could be... Well, anyway, anybody who's who's signed an IndyCar contract this year to move teams or are new to the series, who needs the best results to continue beyond 2022? We'll start with Shannon on this one. Kyle Kirkwood. Oh. Because he doesn't have a lot of funding backing him, so he's going to have to do well to get sponsors. I'm not sure of this one, actually. I think that probably Jack Harvey might need to prove himself this year. As much as I think Jack has shown his talent with results with Meyer Shank, and I think that he's respected in the IndyCar paddock. Now that he's got this opportunity with better equipment, I think he's really got to prove that he can take that better equipment and get the results that everyone believes that he deserves or can earn. So I think if he has a disappointing season, it's not going to be a good look for him. But I really think that he will be good. But is it better equipment or better people behind your equipment that's a very good question i'm not sure because meyer shank did not look super strong in the dpi class last year either even though they had the acura right we saw wayne taylor racing also having the acura and they looked so much stronger with that car with this identical car um so yeah it potentially might just be that the ray hall engineering team and the ray hall just crew members are better than what Meyer Shank has been able to build up sort of in their short time in the series that. Yeah, but they won the, the 500. That's true. He's like, I got, I got nothing right <laughs> now. Make a valid argument. <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, I, I think because, um, Meyer Shank was able to qualify well, but not race well. And, Letterman, Ray Hall Letterman is able to race well, but not qualify well. So if they can merge that together with both Graham and Jack and Callum. Christian. Christian. (laughs) I'm like, who's going where? I don't even know. So many European guys with a C name. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, If they can all come together on the same page, then I, I think that they will be a force to be reckoned with, honestly, because I think I think they are all incredibly talented. 
And I think the older Graham gets, the better he gets because he drives smarter. So that's that's just my just opinion on nothing that you asked know about. That but Shannon's thought on Frenchie's answer. Please, <laughs> you didn't hear me enough in this episode. Because just just talking at this point. <laughs> I am gonna go with Elio Castro mm-hmm. Neves. I feel even though he won the 500, I know this might be semi hot takey here. Hey, I know, I know, I know. This no, is, Matt would this love is your answer. Matt, this is for you. Medicine to make Matt feel a little bit better this week, but I just kind of feel like he's got to put results up, or they're going to be like, "Yeah, we're going to go for a young driver in that second seat," especially with how well Nick DeVries did in the test. But like, do you think that he really cares? Maybe he just wants one. Maybe he just wants to come back for a year, try for his fifth indie, or at I, this point, just do indie. I mean, he does. He really have something to prove? He's a. I don't think he has anything to prove. Winner. But I'm just going based off the question, ma'am. The question wasn't Me. if he has anything. The question was just who has to have the best 2022 season to you know, keep on the team for a year after. And I don't think it's going to be Elio. That's literally <laughs> who has something I'm, to prove to stay on the I'm, team. That's literally the question, just without I mean, those you know, exact words. Mark, I don't like your question anymore <laughs> because it's making it's putting Frenchie and I in a spot where we don't have a good. I feel like this is just turning into like the Shannon is picking apart our answer segment right now. I'm not. I'm just challenging <laughs> you to have that's, more that's thoughts. I'm not picking you apart. All right, I'm just challenging I you. Still, listen, I'm not changing my answer. Mainly because I'm stubborn. Not that you you didn't know that. but That's fine. I just feel like Elio is not the type of guy to just want to come back for one year. Because you know we can see he's still ridiculously energetic, in good shape. Still, you know, still can drive a car. But I think he's, at this point in his career, maybe more successful in the in the IMSA world. And I just don't know if he can prove it for a full Indy car season at this point, that car with the aero screen is definitely a beast to drive. It's, it's hard. So that's where I'm coming from with that. I, I see your point and I respect it, but that's, that's my thought. All right. I think we have one more news article here and then one final fan question. This is a, pretty easy one i i don't think we're gonna have too much debate on this but i will pose a question so indycar has extended their contract with delara for the chassis uh, manufacturing multi-year extension pretty much that's all that's said about this so instead of just talking about the news every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. 
The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. I am going to uh, pose to you guys a question about Delara. A lot of people have said we want tire wars or manufacturer wars or chassis wars back in IndyCar. Is that something you would like to see Delara have competition or are we hyping up the, the old days again? We'll start with Frenchie on this one. I'm kind of nervous to see what Shannon <laughs> says to this because her face already looked skeptical. <laughs> when you ask that question but yeah i mean i love that in imsa there are different chassis like you know you have orica you have delara chassis you know you have different chassis that can fight with each other as well as different engines and i think it just adds an extra layer of complexity to see who gets it right or who can exploit the, you know what they end up with um, to the best of their abilities so i would love to see delara have competition even though i think they've done a really good job i obviously am an old person at heart and the cart era with swift and uh, lola and you know all these different reynard all these different chassis manufacturers battling you know to see who had the best combination you know with your engine package as well was really interesting to me i i don't care if there's another chassis or not i personally enjoy um one chassis because indycar isn't so much about the cars it's about the talent of the drivers um and because the cars are all spec and everybody gets the same equipment now you know your engines are different and how you tweak things are all different and that's all fair but for your base model you're, you're all getting the same thing and um i very much like seeing the actual talent shine more than anything but that's what i like about indycar racing i like that we are competitive and i like that the drivers are competitive and that it doesn't come down to equipment sometimes because i don't know that's just not that's just not my favorite thing i mean that's what f1's about and i other than this year it's been so boring for so long because you either have money to do it or you don't and at this point you don't have to have the money for a good engine and the, and the same chassis, right? Like everybody gets that. And then it's, it's who you put on your team that makes a difference, who you put as your mechanics who make a difference, who you put as your engineers, make a difference. Your race strategy makes a difference. That's where all the differences come from. I think in the competition and how good your driver is. So no, I, I mean, I liked a lot yeah, I think the the big thing that I can't get past is, well, I'm not against the idea in theory. I just think financially it would be such a bad decision because you would kind of, like I think Shannon was sort of alluding to, you would kind of become like F1 where you'd have a Penske and a Ganassi who can spend extra money to get the, and an Andretti to get the premier chassis of choice. 
while somebody like Dale Coyne is going to be like, okay, I'll take the whatever chassis because it's in my budget and it's the affordable entry. And then you'd kind of lose the ability to have a Dale Coyne sneak up there and get a podium or get a win, which, you know, we don't see too often in F1, although it's better this year and maybe the new car will be better next year. But historically speaking, the financial side would really scare me. It's, It's even if there wasn't this, covid business concern to worry about i think financially it would be it would be a lot we'd have to be in a long term you know have a a long term tv deal you know some something where the there there is outside money that can stabilize it if because if if that went poorly but the more i say that the more i think it's just not a good idea frenchy the one point that i will counter you guys with even though you make an extremely good argument and i think Shannon is definitely right that watching drivers compete in the same equipment is part of the interest, interesting factor that, you know, provides a special attribute to IndyCar. I think that being able to have multiple chassis chassis manufacturers gives you the opportunity to have cars that are what the drivers want to drive. We talk about there are lots of things about the current chassis that's made by Delara that are just kind of the way they are because that's the way Delara does them or that's the way Delara has done them. And if you had competition, then I think it would require the chassis manufacturers to build something that is actually the most advanced, kind of the most competitive. I think it would make cars that are incredible, um, like we used to see with those thousand horsepower cart machines. But, you know. I think IndyCar is trending in the right direction with trying to make the Delara chassis better and better. And I'm interested to see how that goes within the next five years or so. I, I understand what you're saying, but I do think that goes back to a financial point. Also, let's say you have a really great driver, but they can't afford the chassis that they want to drive for that team. What do you do? Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, let's say Kyle Kirkwood, for instance, who doesn't have a ton of financial backing right now, and neither does Foyt, he would need chassis A to be uber successful because that's what he would be really great in, but they can only afford chassis D. So what good does that you do need you? need tobacco money back okay, in the Okay, well, series. everybody needs money. So. <laughs> that was a hot take, and I don't support smoking or cigarettes or tobacco use, so I'm not endorsing that, but yeah, too bad that IndyCar doesn't have more money. It always boils down to money. I'm just talking about my perfect world. So yeah, you guys are right. You, you bring me back down to reality. It's really like when points are valid. Yes. He doesn't hear it often, especially on this recording. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong there. Okay. Last question. And this is from Stephen King again. And as, as you both, people who I've been friends with for a while, but you guys are new to working with PLP. The question is with all the changes to PLP this year, I'm talking, I mean, both of you guys and lighting and whatever else we do next year, maybe some IMSA coverage, maybe formula E if it, if we can find it interesting. So we'll see there. What do you, what do you, where do you see PLP going in the future? And we'll start with Frenchie on that one. I am just looking forward to seeing it continue to grow because I started out as a fan, obviously, 
and was a member of the members club for many years. I don't even know how long it was before you guys gave me the opportunity to join you on the show. And I think you guys branching into Formula One was really interesting to me, obviously, because that's kind of where I started as a racing fan. Um, but, you know, going back to just being able to do more series, go to go to more races, I think just to provide the coverage that people like already, but just more of it is going to take up probably all of our time next yes. year. Shannon and I have had that conversation <laughs> a lot over the last month. And I think that it's it's a lot of fun and I really enjoy like interacting with the fans of Pit Lane Parlay and with you guys obviously. So I think it's just gonna continue to get better and grow in terms of probably more more series, um, which is gonna be time consuming, but also allow us to meet more people, to provide more coverage. Hopefully people that listen to Pit Lane Parlay like all motorsports, and I think they probably do, not just, you know, you're listening only for IndyCar or only for F1. It's because they just like racing. I um, I look forward to um, us being able to go to more races and do a lot of in-person coverage because I don't, I mean, there are the um, staples of that written Right. But you don't hear a lot of that. You don't see video a lot of that. Um, you know, you get a lot of articles out of it. Um, but Mike and I have talked about, you know, like doing a lot of live stuff at the tracks, which I think is interesting for people who don't get to go to races. Um, you know, they're, they're not close or they're not affordable or whatever that looks like that we can kind of bring that inside look to them. Um, and then in turn, make them fans of the things that we love the most. So um, that's just what I'm looking forward to, spending more time at the racetracks, getting more um, one-on-ones with drivers and crews and, you know, just having that relationship with people that we can um, just grow everything. PLP, IndyCar, IMSA, F1, you know, fan life so that we can all love it <laughs> let the, the empire, empire expand <laughs> yes i think the only thing i have to add there is kind of you know what what i enjoyed the most and i think we made the most headway in in 2021 is the kind of like team content partnerships with hmd and meyer shank and peregrine racing and in imsa this year and you know peregrine's full-time next year HMD we're doing content with next year Peregrine we're probably doing content with next year HMD slash Dale coin we're probably doing partnership content with next year so like that sort of inside look at stuff that fans like to see you know whether it's a truck driver or crew chief or tire changer and whatnot you know being able to do more of those and then like Shannon said the in-person stuff actually being able to you know video interviews and whatnot now that we're you know mostly able to be at the track and things are you're allowed to walk around and and whatnot so yeah and i hope next year we can start doing like fan meetups again and you know live shows during the autograph sessions that i was doing back in 2019 with jim aiello for a couple races and a couple other just kind of guests 
think we had Parker Thompson up there one week. I don't remember who it was, to be honest with you. It was that Road America. I remember that. But anyway, yeah, more things like that. And I think this year was like the first year I really was like, wow, things are going really well. And I think that's only going to keep growing because I believe I have, you know, everybody who, you know, all four of you guys who helped me out is are are great. And, uh, and you know, I think we all get along well. And I think it's going to, you know, help the future success. And uh, I think that's all I got. So I also am really looking forward to more weird Airbnb adventures. I was <laughs> yes. for somebody to say that. Can we, can, can we book the Dino Airbnb again in St. Louis? Yeah, of course. I would go back. I would yes. go back. I would be Hell yes. super disappointed if they've changed it, though. Just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, and, you know, as January unfolds, we'll have plenty of announcements on what's going on. And I'm just excited to, I think 2022 is going to be a really good year. I think it's going to build off of the successes of 2021. So now that I've got enough feeling humble braggy and whatnot steven thanks for the question everybody thank you for listening i hope everybody gets tons of oh uh, we can't end yet we have pitfalls oh (laughs) i'm so used to not doing pitfalls i was wondering why shannon was looking at me like i had six heads okay pitfalls returning for the second straight week and now it's time for pit lane parlays pitfalls of the week Okay, so my pitfall for this week is only tangentially related to IndyCar. Um, That's a big word. Because (laughs) it is about John Alacy, the 2012 Indy 500. I will call him a participant because I think he was black flagged with like nine laps completed or something. It was not a good performance with a a Lotus. But anyway, uh, John Alacy, the one-time Formula One winner, primarily a driver in the 90s is in the news because he has been arrested um, and is currently in the custody of the French police I believe Uh, he turned himself in because he placed a extremely large by what I'm reading firecracker that was purchased in Italy by the window (laughs) of his brother-in-law's office so then it exploded went off and like shattered the window and like drew a lot of people's attention and he said it was just a, you know, intention to play a bad joke on his brother-in-law because his brother-in-law is currently in the process of separating from John Alacy's sister. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you kind of put a large firecracker by your brother-in-law's window as a way to like prank him or tell him you're displeased with the way that their separation or divorce is going. So anyway, uh, John Alacy his son Giuliano and uh, one of Giuliano's friends are were all involved in this and are apparently going to have to face charges. So I'm definitely pitfalling that because it's an absurd story and it's yeah a bad joke, but it just seems like a prank gone too far. Maybe you should have done a more clever, inventive prank that didn't involve a large explosive. Yeah. Okay. I have, I have so have many a- questions. How did you even find that story? That's a good question. I don't actually know what I, because I, I don't, I don't search John Alacy, so I forget how I came across this. But it happened. I mean, when was this? This is from yesterday. 
that I the story was written that I'm reading on the drive, and there are a bunch of other stories um, about it. That's so I'm I'm just I'm very interested it, to see how this goes because uh, yeah, when you Look. destroy property, um, I think his brother-in-law is upset about that. He says he has no problem with Jean, but that you know he wants there are damages that he's going to have to pay for and to kind of. I'm pretty sure that firecrackers are illegal in France, which is why all the stories say that it was purchased in Italy. But I don't know, because despite my nickname, I don't have much expertise on France. <laughs> That's intent. You purchased that with intent to cross border lines. <laughs> oh, that's something. Okay, um, mine's, that's not that big of a deal. And I'm I'm only saying this in hopes that it's coming to an end, because we're just going to Technically, it's the end of the season, right? It's over and we'll start fresh in the new year. But if I see that blue and white graphic every time certain series post things for next year also, I might lose my ever-loving mind. Shannon's graphic design and marketing brain do not like blue and white graphics. If you don't know what we're talking about, you're just going to have to DM us on this one. <laughs> and and Frenchie will, will, will tell you afterwards. Frenchie, you don't know? You know. I, I think I know, but I'm going to have to know. confirm it with you guys. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I know you know. Yeah, you know. And anybody who knows, knows. <laughs> fair, fair enough. All right. Mine is going to be the... Uh, and we are so... I think I rant about this tomorrow in the F1 episode... But the amount of online threats that Nicholas Latifi has gotten because he crashed and, and you know what happened happened, whether it's blaming him, saying he did it on purpose, and the conspiracy theories are saying you suck and like death threats and all of this like crazy nonsense. Like the guy already apologized once and then had to put out like a four page like I don't know if apology is the word, but maybe just like, hey, guys, can we all just like be humans and not treat me like complete dog shit? Like, it's really sad. Like, there's so much hate and anger going on. Like, the dude didn't do anything on purpose. Like, it's just Latifi's like such a good dude. And to he just have loves to Nutella. That's like he just loves Nutella. <laughs> uh, you learn something new every day he, there's a lot of videos about him and nutella all over like youtube he opened his fridge one time and he had like so much nutella it was unbelievable on some i love him bless PR his heart video. yeah i really that's... just hate people in general like they're just some people just should not have access to, to speak their mind <laughs> like, <they> should, <laughs> somebody needs to censor these people because it's just horrible and there's no reason why he should be getting those kinds of threats i mean my god get Get over yourself. Why did he have to apologize for crashing? He, he like, should have in the never first place. had to apologize. But because of the damn world that we live in, everybody has to apologize for hurting somebody else's feelings all the time. And it's ridiculous. Yeah, on I'm a... seeing on one side, the Max fans are calling him the goat for crashing, which is also ridiculous. And then the, yes, I guess also, the fans also unacceptable are the, uh, the other side. And it's just come on, guys. But it's a and subset like... of fans. It's not fan lewis right. fans in general Absolutely. the truth like is is if you are a true motorsport fan you understand that accidents happen and no one intentionally crashes like that to benefit someone else in that nature against a championship except if you drive for flavio briatore okay i don't even, those words don't 
I don't even know what those words are. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll tell you about Crashgate and Nelson PK Jr. Okay, yeah, that's was it's from a while ago. Yeah. Generally and, speaking, at this point, no one's going to risk their own career for somebody else's. Especially when he's not on a Red Bull or a Mercedes. Like he's right. not on like either of their team teams orders. or junior he's teams. He's not going to just yeah. do something for somebody else just because. That's a shit ton of money crashed into that wall. They're not. Well, we're, we're gonna let we're gonna let Shannon calm down here, and we're gonna end the episode. <laughs> but I do agree, and now I can end the episode. So everybody, thank you for listening. I hope you get all of the IndyCar gear and merch and diecasts and books and whatever that you desire. Tickets. And, tickets. And tickets. Yes, tickets. <laughs> tickets for most of the, at least the first half of the season are like already on sale. So don't forget that. And everybody have a lovely holiday weekend. Bye. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.